You are listening to Spoken Word with Electronics. You can hear previous episodes at our Bandcamp page at eptc.bandcamp.com. If you're enjoying the show, tell others about the show. We appreciate it. Thanks. Here at Spoken Word with Electronics, we like to discuss machines that you may have never heard of. And our discussion this week, we'll talk about telephone voting machinery from the 1980s. Specifically, these were never used in actual civic voting. Uh, They were used for opinion polls, but their design, which I'll discuss, is largely anticipating a possible future use of being used in elections or basic civic functions. And so the two devices that we'll talk about are from one inventor. The inventor is Marvin Kempner. And the two devices are the simply named telephone pole. That's telephone spelled normally and then P-O-L-L. So the telephone pole and its upgrade, the massive and modular Escape 600. Marvin Kempner is a fun businessman from the last century. If you ever go to an electronics trade show, you'll find a tribe of people very similar to Kempner. These are people with annually changing big or small ideas. Kempner can be found in many decades. If you look back uh, from the 1950s through the 1990s in trade publications and other media material about broadcasting and radio, you find Kempner a lot. He got his first start with a radio game called Radio Tune O. That's spelled radio and then tune dash the letter O. So I don't know if that was Radio Tunio, but I'm pretty sure it was Radio Tuno in the 1950s. It was a pre-printed bingo card for various radio stations. And you'd pick it up at the grocery store. You'd pick the bingo card up and listen to the show and play bingo over the air. And tons of cities bought into the gimmick. Very simply stated, uh, you just pick up the bingo card at the local, local grocery store. So there was a common buy-in with the grocery store and the radio station. And then you'd play bingo as the numbers were read. Simple idea and a big hit. And Marvin Kempner was on a roll with Radio Tuno. In the late 50s and early 60s, he changed the product to be called Music Tuno. Might have been Tunio, but Music Tuno, which was identical to Radio Tuno, but a little hipper. Kind of a guess that tune. Each number on your card represented a popular song. So instead of the bingo announcer saying five, for example, you would need to know through your key that five would be ain't misbehaving as an example of a song. So they wouldn't say five over the air when they're playing music tuno. They would just play ain't misbehaving. And you'd have to know that theme and know from your card that if you heard ain't misbehaving, that's a five on your bingo card. And so winning cards provided they were correct, could call in the radio station and claim an award. This calling in the radio part of the game is a connecting part 
of future Kempner products, and it's his first idea is that you would contact the station. He was very much from the beginning very interested in phone calls. The on-air bingo business provided nearly two decades of income for Kempner and company. And he experimented with other ideas like syndication in the 1960s and early 1970s, including pre-taped sports programming that could be used in different cities across the nation. He could experiment with bigger ideas of his own. A variety of electrical engineers started to meet with Kempner, and one of the ideas was voice-activated interaction for TV. In 1977, Mattel started development on a video game system called the Intellivision, which was intended as competition for Atari. I think we know that Atari kind of won that out. But the Intellivision was pretty cool, and it wouldn't be available to consumers until 1979. But Kempner had some connections and an opportunity to work with an Intellivision in 1978 for a TV show. And he called it TV POW with three W's, P-O-W-W-W, TV POW. TV POW was an interactive game on television built around the Intellivision. It was similar to how Space Ace or Dragon Slayer worked, meaning a well-timed command just for people calling in as contestants on the show and offering voice commands over the air. Essentially, they would have to say POW at the right time to trigger an action in the live broadcast of the game. It in no way looked as nice as Space Ace or Dragon Slayer. It was just in television, and it's a little silly. There are many stories about TV POW, in fact, it, including equipment not working and someone at the station just hitting the fire button on a joystick when a caller said POW. That might have actually been the whole design. But smoke and mirrors aside, this is the world's first regularly scheduled video game broadcast. TV POW was a hit. And Kempner's work on syndicating content in the early 70s with sports programming would get a good foundation for TV POW, as TV POW was syndicated worldwide. As a result, there's a lot of TV POW on the internet, on YouTube, and here's some audio of a TV POW show. Pick up your phone, let's play together. Wow, TV, wow. It's time for fun and prizes with POW, the only game in town. Well, let's all get set for a TV, TV POW game right now. And this time, let's limit it to callers only in Sullivan County. Don't anybody else call me unless you live here in Sullivan County. And you call me right now at 247-9578, Sullivan County callers only. I asked for a caller from Sullivan County, and I got a caller from Sullivan County. He's from right here in Kingsport. His name's John Goglick. And, John, if you're ready to play TV POW, well, I think we are here. You've got 30 seconds to play, John. Good luck and go. John Godley. He's eight years old in the third grade at Kingsley Elementary School and got a little dog named Brownie. He says Brownie's a real pain in the neck. <laughs> well, anyhow, John's playing for a uh, McDonald's Happy Meal and Teeny Pow T-shirt and a pass to the Telstar Family Amusement Center and a bag of more potato chips and some other goodies I'm going to throw in. He's got four hits, six hits. So if you're just catching TV POW on the TV as you've uh, dialed it up randomly, you're just hearing a kid say POW over and over again. That was the game. 
a host would answer the phone and a video game would start playing. These were usually shooters or shooter games with various targets moving around the screen and going into a bullseye. When the lo-fi graphics were in the bullseye, the contestant on the phone would say POW to release the trigger and that's how they would score on the game. And this was a bunch of kids screaming that was literally heard all over the planet in terms of syndication. And there are some fun stories about callers, usually kids, sometimes barraging the game with endless POWs uh, to kind of, I guess, stress test the, uh, the system. I also wonder about like any tape delay and latency, like how they would be able to do this live because normally you have a five or 10 second buffer for somebody cussing or something or just uh, a pre-rolled buffer in any capacity. So I, there's some questions about how TVPAL worked. If TVPAL wasn't a gimmick, it's fun to actually consider how it worked. Synthesizers are very similar to analog computer games at this time. In particular, the joystick in a video game uh, is very similar to modular or control voltage equipment. It's usually a 12 volt or 15 volt connection with similar five volt contacts that you'll find in synthesizers and it wouldn't be very difficult to hook up what's referred to as an envelope follower and what that means is it hears an audio and turns it into a control voltage envelope so if tv power really worked it would just need an envelope follower to convert a sharp sound of a kid screaming pow into a gate and so every time a kid says pow over the phone it would go through a synthesized envelope follower and turn the audio for pow into a fire button signal onto a joystick. A gate would get sent to the Intellivision through the modified joystick that accepts a CV input for the trigger. Basically, you would just say POW and the joystick would shoot. POW. And so you could make TV POW right now with any old video game system and you can look up control voltage joystick for many things that do this already for you. But for the world's emerging interest in video games, was very nascent. TV POW was a huge curiosity and it ran for close to five years. It was short named POW in other towns. POW. Kempner clearly made a lot of money on this and could take some risks on his next endeavor. Politics have been using polling to confuse democracy for decades. It's probably our worst tendency to try and make politics into a horse race with the score going up and down for the entire election period. There's huge money involved with polling or taking the temperature of the crowd. And there's a chance that Kempner thought the next thing would be polling. Polls, of course, are evil. They got Trump elected, for example, because they sedate the electorate. If you hear a poll is moving in a certain direction, pro or against, for or against, you might feel unneeded as a voter. And we had months of polls to reassure the country that Trump was losing and far behind. So fewer people voted because they didn't feel that urgency. Basically, polls had provided a completely hollow, empty statistic to suggest things weren't that dire. And people will lie to the poller too. They'll try and uh, mess with the poll. And there is actually no statistic or ability to understand if the poll ever matches the vote. No matter what you say to the human on the phone, no one knows who you really are when you're inside the voting booth. All that aside, 
Kempner got into the telephone polling game in the 1980s. The human bias was something he had observed in his previous endeavors for uh, bingo and arcade games, and a computerized voice was one of his big ideas in the personality of his product. He wanted to focus questions to simple binary yes or no responses, or if you want to put that into voting, you know, this candidate or that candidate. And ideally, he wanted to make people not think that they were talking to a human. So the idea was that this was an automated robot that would answer the phone and do the polling. Presto, nobody would uh, feel the bias of another person to please them. So I'll describe these two Kempner voting devices. And again, these were polling devices, but they absolutely could have become voting devices. And they're both a lot of fun. They were designed for simple opinion polling on the radio or TV and not intended for democracy, but I think they could have evolved into voting machines, similar to how Diebold did with uh, the voting booth right now or whatever weird company makes the voting equipment in your city. Instead of having to go to the polling center, you just pick up the damn phone, call yourself a Kempner product, make your vote made. Kempner laid out a path for the phone to be a method for which we vote. And it asks a question, why can't we vote by phone? I don't mean smartphone or an app, I mean a phone number you call, enter a unique identifier pin that's verified to your phone you're using, and press one or two or three for the selection for president. Some other privacy and security issues to figure out, but basically I'm urging for a solution that is simpler, not more complicated. And I'm not saying to make phone voting the only way one could vote. I'm just saying it's an option. Public utilities like the phone company used to provide the phone you used in your home. You'd rent it, if I remember correctly. I don't see it far-fetched to provide a piece of hardware to every citizen. That could be your voting device or your voting phone. <laughs> Pull out the voting phone. We have another election. And this would be hardwired to your house and proof to your address. Again, there's a lot to figure out in terms of authentication and everything, but, you know, again, just simple, you know. Maybe even send every home a voting device with verification built directly into it. This is possible. This is not a huge uh, technological or security issue to solve, and the act of voting should be incredibly easy. Unfortunately, public trust never got to the point where your phone could be trusted for voting in an election at least in America, and the reason is business got in the way to make voting by phone seem untrustworthy because it introduced the 1-900 numbers. But prior to that, there was an indicator that voting by push button might have become a possibility. But the point being that a vote should be as easy as a phone call. We try to complicate it, but it's just this or that. And we use our phone already for some very heavy life decisions. You use your phone to make complicated selections for insurance. If you're in college, often you register for classes with a push dial. A vote has huge consequences, but it can be and should be dead simple. I think part of the problem is that we pack so many things into the presidential ballot, of course. You're not just asked one question with your selection for president. Instead, you get these multiple pages of other things tacked on. And I think it's because you have to study for the ballot that people also avoid voting 
You know, you get there and you think you're going for just one or two questions and instead you have like this whole page of other things. And I know that that's uh, to the advantage of the city, uh, but maybe that's a mistake. Maybe participation on voting is so pathetic in the U.S. because it is considered such a burden. Maybe we just need a single one question ballot for president. It is that important. We make it so complicated with appearing in person or filling out a form and such a burden on time and effort to pick a leader really wears on people who have real jobs or real time constraints. It shouldn't be a burden on the citizen to hire a leader. It should be a burden on the leader <laughs> to lead. I mean, really, we could just have a robot call us and ask us who we want to pick from a list of candidates. And there is, of course, to be stressed throughout this entire conversation, there is identity verification, particularly security to figure out that makes voting by computer or phone even more complicated. But most of these issues have been worked out in other government transactions by phone or computer. People will say that identity theft is a concern, but I doubt it's any worse than identity theft at the polls in person. Republicans like to make racist ID laws, but if you look it up, just as many identity thieves are white. And all you need is a friendly smile with a fake ID to vote as someone else. The people verifying your identity in a polling center are nothing like any other government port of entry. They're often retired volunteers with bad eyes and they barely scrutinize you or your voter card. They're more stressed about appearing cognizant and capable than they are in really verifying your identity. There is very little security to voting in person, but everyone really has access to a phone and all the technology to make a selection via push button is built into any phone. That's exactly what a phone does, is it sends out uh, code of zeros or ones or whatever. A verification code can be provided along with a voice record even, and it could be possible to secure the technology to allow for simple presses of one, two, or three for your presidential pick, one or two for your presidential pick, or three for an alternate. Three would be for third-party selections with voice recognition for stating your preferred alternate. Martin Kempner thought about this. He thought about voice recognition. But really, if we just brought it down to one damn question, participation would skyrocket. And the initial steps to make it this easy were laid out in some smart technologies of the 1980s. Using the phone to do automated polling became toxic with the introduction of the 1-900 phone number. These phone services started as kind of a taxi meter that would run once you dialed the phone. Enticing services like phone psychics or sex talk or just, you know, time for, you know, company for the lonely would be advertised and you could just call the 1-900 number to initiate the service. Some crazy amount, like 99 cents for the first minute, followed by, four, by $3 for every minute following. I remember when these things arrived, and I would sort of wonder, like, how much would be an hour for talking to an astrologist or something? It'd be like uh, 218 bucks. It's more than talking to a therapist. And uh, I'm sure these services still exist, but 
I'm not sure if 1-900 numbers still do. Uh, the charge would appear on your phone bill, which is different than having to provide a credit card. And some people ran up charges in the thousands of dollars. Loneliness is still here, of course, but I suppose you see the same world in cam girls or other internet services. The worst part of the 1-900 numbers were their empty use for polling. And that was their damage to public trust on using the phone. Really dissolved public trust in the value of phones for decision making. And the major networks got into it too, often asking viewers to give their opinion on a given topic. That happened a lot during daytime TV. You'd watch Donahue and you'd see a 900 number. You could vote by calling the number. It was that easy. And then you were charged 50 cents, typically. A 1-900 number was often used on Monday Night Football, asking for your participation to talk about football politics. For example, they might ask you about the use of instant replay. Should we use instant replay in games, they would ask. Each call would cost a football viewer 50 cents to vote. And there's no indication that this vote went anywhere or was even passed along to the NFL, but you would see results in about 20 minutes after the phone number was shown on the screen and every drunk guy watching the game surely had an opinion. Maybe his side would win. The 1-900 numbers realized the simplicity of phone polling on binary questions. They could have very easily become uh, a way to publicly poll for selecting a candidate. Can you imagine watching the debates and we have like 14 or 15 Democrats all talking or 17 Republicans or whatever, but there's a 1-900 number that you call. <laughs> kind of like the view or something and by the end of the debate you could knock somebody out of the race that would be pretty funny and you'd have to use your 50 cents well to make that choice but the 1-900 concept was a perversion of the original idea of phone polling it ruined the idea and then the internet appeared with its smarter phone making uh, largely making dumb phones landline phones subordinate and it was the death of the Dem phone and its 1-900 numbers. But right before this, if you went to broadcasting trade shows, there was news of a few new devices built around automated phone polling. No human operator needed. You simply provided a phone number on the air, ask a yes or no question, and a machine would do all the phone answering and tabulation for you automatically. All the better. It would broadcast the results live as the tabulations came in. This was Marvin Kempner's invention. The first one was the telephone pole. That's exactly what it was called. Just the telephone pole. And I have its first press release here to read. The first press release for the telephone pole opens up with a basic question. With talk about voter manipulation, perhaps the solution to this year's election is the 1982 telephone poll device. Here's what it asks. Opening question in large typeface. Interested in instant audience response, untouched by human hands. Read about the telephone poll. The brochure style design of the press release then summarizes the telephone poll as an automatically answered solid state polling device that records, computes, and presents results in digital readout on the television screen and in synthesized voice announcements. I would love to find an example of whatever synthesizer 
computer voice they used. It goes on to expand. We've looked for ways television and radio stations can really interact with their audiences, not just through writing letters or calling into the station, but with tomorrow's truly interactive broadcasting, where members of the audience actually cause things to happen right on the air. And we did it first with TV POW, and we're doing it again with the telephone pole. Telephone pole, by the way, just to be clear, is spelled P-O-L-L, as in to take a pole of something. I mentioned earlier it's a painful pun for telephone pole, P-O-L-E, and I can really appreciate that. Telephone pole made some interesting promises. Here's how they introduced it to the potential radio station who might buy a telephone pole. Telephone pole is a telephone pole, but it's untouched by human hands. A station, radio or television, asks its audience a question like, and it gives a couple of questions, sample questions. Have you ever been the victim of a violent crime? Yes or no? Are you for or against capital punishment? Boxing should be outlawed. Agree or disagree? That's an, that's an entertaining mix of sample uh, violent questions. The press release continues to describe itself. The question is asked and people call in. No local charge, no 900 number. The phone is answered automatically by a synthesized voice, not a tape recording. And the caller is asked to vote. The vote is instantly recorded and tallied with all the others, hundreds of them an hour, and a click of a switch puts the results on the televised screen and produces voice-synthesized announcements of the count in totals and percentages, with not one phone operator on duty. So this is a fun job killer, the telephone ball. At this point, I'm searching my mind for some memory of hearing a computer voice read out on the TV or the radio. I can't find any example, but I do have an image of the telephone screen percentage, which Kempner sexed up with a big eye blonde, and you'll see that uh, you'll see that image in the post. But we're seeing some interesting promises here about authentication of the data. No human interference, completely automated. It posts onto the air whatever data that it has received. Pretty fun to consider. Here's a few more promises. When your audience calls in, no special charges, just an ordinary phone call. The phone is, an is answered automatically with a voice, not a tape recorded voice, but a synthesized voice. It asks the caller to vote. The caller then votes. The vote is instantly registered. One, one phone can take up to 360 calls an hour. With four rotary lines, you've got 1,440 calls. Have your audience call in from early news to the late news, and you can record as many as 7,200 responses on only four phone lines. Telephone pole is space age engineering, a small, easy to install unit that is easy to operate. Just hook it up and you're in business. I have to say I love these press releases. It offers that it's provided the absolute best and easiest way to get an instant reading of the public pulse. With Telephone Poll, WXYZ in Detroit is number one in the time slot with their 4 to 5 p.m. show that asks questions ranging from should drunk drivers go to jail to have you ever had an extramarital affair? And it's quite a range of conversation topics. They list a few other station testimonials, like how Burbank radio station beat Dan Rather in the ratings game, and how grocery stores are using telephone pole for their ads. They offer, give a phone number to your audience and that's it. 
the telephone pole does the rest. So this is back in 1982, and I found a sales brochure for the telephone pole. I couldn't find the base number, I think, but I think the base number for a telephone pole was about uh, 20 grand um, in today's money. Nothing compared to the Escape 600, which we'll talk about. But here's some extras you could add on to your base model. And the first three I uh, trust, the, uh, the, <laughs> the following three I don't really. Number one, remote, uh, remote capability. This is an add-on. Install the equipment anywhere in your building and operate by remote control from up to four locations. Pretty easy to figure out on how they did that. Two, call in for results. Long after your poll is over and the final count has been announced on the air, members of the audience can call the telephone poll number and the voice synthesizer will supply the results. Not an operator on duty. Number three, this is a nice branding opportunity. Your own typefaces. Video systems compatible with RS232-C, I'm not familiar with that format, will be able to feed the system through their own character generator to maintain their own programming look. All three of those things are seem totally doable. Then there are these promises that I really doubt were possible or uh, worth paying for. Improved voice quality. For a slight add-on, our new computer system will bring synthesized voices to a quality level you'll find hard to believe, so you could uh, upgrade your voice quality to be a better telephone pole system than the cheaper one on the station down the block. And then here, check these two out. Uh, again, this is 1982. Your own voices. For a slight additional charge, you supply the voice of your own personalities to us. Yeah, for Let me start again. For a slight additional charge, you supply the voices of your own television or radio personalities to us on quarter-inch audio tape, and we'll provide and we'll program the synthesizer to sound just like them in any language, not just English. So this was a deep fake offered in 1982, where you could take a uh, English-speaking TV anchor and turn it into a Cantonese-speaking. Uh, TV anchor apparently just like them in synthesized language in any language not just English I love that I just want to read that again so they'll program the synthesizer to sound like anybody that you send uh, their personality uh, anyway that's just hilarious and I don't even think that's possible right now um, word recognition the system will be able to actually recognize words spoken on the telephone the speed and sophistication of the entire polling process will be increased many times over. You can be among the first in the world to use word recognition in operation. And I'm going to call uh, BS on this because uh, they're talking about word recognition. There was number recognition, which I think started in about 1950 through Bell Labs. Uh, but I don't think until the 1990s we had word recognition. But uh, so I'm doubting the promises of word recognition for the telephone pole in 1982, but maybe they had it. And then they say telephone pole means rating points plus money in the bank. That's pretty fun. I love the narrative voice of the telephone pole press releases. It's hard not to consider the enthusiasm here to be a little contagious. I actually kind of really want a telephone pole right now. And if you look up Marvin Kempner and broadcasting magazines, you'll find a variety of very decorative, interesting, playful advertisements. These are all print ads with no audio. But, I'll, but I have a couple examples in the Boing Boing article. 
this episode, and you'll see a link to them. Perfect for radio, he says, because radio has always been so close to its audiences. Just push a button and the system's voice synthesizer reports the totals on the air loud and clear. Nothing quicker, more effective, or more economical when it comes to polling your audience on any subject. News, music, sports, politics, and it says in parentheses, election time is just around the corner. And there's some contact information there. I, I love it. So for a few years, the telephone pole seemed to sell very well. And if there were any limitations, it was on its scalability and its ability to branch into more than one set of questions. So, for example, if democracy were to embrace the telephone pole, it would need a few modifications, and it seems Kempner may have been anticipating this. And in 1986, he released his follow-up, the Escape 600. So, in 1986, Broadcasting Magazine wrote the following short blurb on the Escape 600, talking about its features. Headline is Solid State Returns. So this is from Broadcasting Magazine, February 1986. A new computerized polling system from M.A. Kempner Incorporated has been sold to NBC's owned and operated TV stations in New York, Chicago, Los Angeles, and Washington, as well as a number of other TV broadcasters. NBC has made an estimated $750,000 group buy in December. It's about 1.5 million, I think, now in uh, current money. And a total of 25 units have been sold since early summer. Although the system called Escape 600 was not officially released until the NATPE conference in January. Deliveries are expected in March after testing the product is completed. According to Marvin A. Kempner, company president and broadcast syndicator for four decades, good job Marvin, the completely solid state system provides synthesized human voice compatibilities and can branch the survey into as many as a dozen sets of questions depending on response. Escape, and they say in parentheses, which stands for Electronic Synthesized Computerized Automatic Polling Equipment. We already talked about that. I love that acronym. Can take polls of up to 15 minutes long with random digit dialing. To so here's the enhancements on the Escape 600. It can take polls of up to 15 minutes long with random digit dialing to take the required sample and separate phone exchanges and allows response through both touch tone and dial phones. Survey results are provided on computer printouts, and Kempner said using either bar charts with user-defined labels. A selected search format, a matrix format with statistical parameters or for either Arbitron or Nielsen-like format. Among the broadcasters to have ordered the system is uh, WNEV-TV in Boston, KDKA-TV in Pittsburgh, WMAR-TV in Baltimore, WITI-TV in Milwaukee, WTHR-TV in Indianapolis, and KCNC-TV Denver, which is nice to see because I grew up in Denver, Aurora specifically, and I remember KCNC, the NBC channel, as my favorite channel. So I'm actually wondering now, this is 86, when I would be 12, I wonder if I uh, heard any Escape 600 broadcasts of statistics or polling data. Fun to consider. 
So I uh, was able to find a, a picture of the actual Escape 600. And it is a pretty cool looking uh, scalable piece. I can see how it's an enhancement over the telephone pole. It has its rack mount, uh, rack mount gear. Um, looks like there's one master unit and then you buy banks or modules to make it grow as much as you want. One master unit is about a third of a rack space. And uh, each rack then can hold up to four extra module banks and the main escape 600 module i'll post an image is uh pretty cool it's got like a microphone hookup although i thought you're supposed to use synthesized voice but maybe that's for customizing your uh, welcome to so-and-so station and there is a test light and then two tamper lights so this was very secure and then each individual module seems to have a telephone call counter a ready light an off hook light a dial tone light a ringing light, and by that I mean an LED every time I'm saying light, a polling light, a data transfer light, and its own tamper alarm. So, and can we just talk about how wonderful it is that it's called the Escape 600? I like the idea of telephone polling or election gear being an escape. <laughs> Let's get out of this reality with the Escape 600. What a weird name for a device. The Escape 600. Let us escape, 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 escape. In some alternate universe, we are voting on the Escape 6000 now. Uh, the Escape 600 has been improved over many years, and it's how we, uh, we vote. Just dial and vote. It's a shame that this isn't uh, where we're at. Should be that easy. Fun to consider the uh, the electronic world of Marvin Kempner and his two telephone polling devices, the telephone pole and the Escape 600. Kind of sad nothing ever really came of it in today's modern democracy. And now the fifth installment of the recovery of Charlie Pickle. This week we have The Lobby. So enjoy Charlie Pickle. And thank you for listening. If you're enjoying Spoken Word with Electronics, tell people about it. Go to our Bandcamp site, eptc.bandcamp.com. Pick up an album. Have, uh, have fun in life. Avoid the, uh, the, the cats who are uh, killing the birds. Hope you learned something from that story. I love cats. But if a uh, cat's an asshole to you, a uh, water balloon is your friend. And here is Charlie Pickle, Episode 5, The Lobby. Thank you. Have a great week.